everybody and welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of April 20th through April 27th. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Yeah, I'm, I'm too sad to have something. And Ben Lamoureux. Playable at E3. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Oh, yes, he is. Uh, Last night was huge, if you haven't already heard, and it's why we're a day later than usual uh, this episode. But Nintendo held their investors meeting where we learned official news about NX, Zelda U, new mobile games for Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing, so much more. Uh, It's really an unbelievable mountain of information. Uh, So I went ahead and wrote an article that breaks it all down in one easy place. So be sure to check that out at Gamnesia if you want to catch up quickly. But of course, we'll be covering all of it here in our various segments as well. Uh, After the break, we're taking it to the game corner to talk about Star Fox Zero and Star Fox Guard, which launched last Friday, before ending the show with big stuff. NX, Zelda, and Nintendo's E3. Uh, We're unbelievably busy over here, and we've been wrecked by this flurry of investor news, so we're going to try and get through it as efficiently as we can, which might mean a little bit of a shorter episode, but, I mean, if it does, then on the bright side, Nintendo's software lineup is so barren this year that we'll have more than enough time to make up for it. Nintendo has a software lineup this year? Uh, I mean, they've got Color Splash. <laughs> they've got Federation Force. They've got uh, Tokyo <laughs> They're two most sessions. popular games. Pokemon. Yeah, they've got Pokemon Sun and Moon. That's pretty much it. Um, anyway, so let's take it over to the news block. Here we are with the news block, our segment on just, you know, the the news that Nintendo's got going on. And we're going to start out with one of the biggest stories that came out of the investor meeting. And that is that this fall, Nintendo plans to release two new mobile games based on Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem, franchises which they chose so that they could, quote, appeal to as many Nintendo fans as possible. Both titles will be, quote, pure games with more prominent game elements than Mitomo had. Both games will tie closely into the dedicated games on Nintendo's own platforms as well. The Animal Crossing game in particular will be designed to connect to the world of Animal Crossing for dedicated gaming systems, although the particular games that this statement refers to is currently unknown. Kamishima also declined to comment on these games' price models, so we'll have to wait for more. So this is a pretty good example of stuff we say on the podcast coming true. Yeah. Right? Um, I was talking about a Fire Emblem mobile game like four years ago. Yeah. Or three. Close to when Gamnesia came out. Yeah, and I I feel like Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem are the two we've mentioned most on this podcast. So... I think so. uh, Yeah, super excited. I'm I'm actually... Despite how, you know, Fire Emblem is sort of like Nintendo's darling right now, I'm personally more excited for Animal Crossing because I personally haven't had a chance to get into Animal Crossing up to this point, but uh, it'll be nice to have mobile as a gateway for that franchise for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think it's perfect. Animal Crossing is so perfect on the go. I mean, the the DS games were always more successful and also, I think, just a lot more suited to the pick-up-and-play style of Animal Crossing, the daily check-ins of Animal Crossing. So bringing it to mobile is just going to speed that up so much more. Um, I'm hoping that it's a game that's sort of like a watered-down version of the main Animal Crossing experience um, rather than a companion app that's kind of like, you can buy this clothes, you know, these clothings or, uh, you know, actually something that could be really cool is like you get the happy home designer version of Animal Crossing on your phone and then you can play the game and, you know, explore the town, go to a bunch of other people's houses, check them out, you know, so you can like design on the go and then bring that back into your real world and explore it fully in depth. That I think could be pretty cool. Um, 
Either way, companion apps, mobile games, this sounds like a great move for both series. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that they uh, announced these two titles in particular together, just because Animal Crossing is seen as a series that sort of appeals more to the casual fan base, whereas Fire Emblem, you know, yeah. it's a strategy RPG, so it appears, appeals a little more to the uh, you know the hardcore crowd. So I think it's interesting that they announced them together as sort of a one-two punch to say, we're bringing mobile games to everybody. Yep. Yeah. And they're, the also, other interesting thing about these picks is they're also two of Nintendo's franchises that actually grew last generation, which was mm-hmm. just yeah. completely shocking, I think, even for me. Uh, so I'm glad that they're finding ways to grow them even more. For sure. And what you were saying, Ben, about the sort of diversity in the kinds of fans or genres that it appeals to is that's exactly why they chose the games is mm-hmm. right there so they could appeal to as many fans as possible. Uh, Nintendo also announced that they plan to keep making, quote, appealing DLC to enhance the characteristics of each game, as well as new Amiibo to expand the product lineup over the course of the year. But unfortunately, they've said nothing about the games that it's going to supplement or the characters that these Amiibo plans include. We'll see, for them to announce DLC plans for future games, they'd have to have future games on the way. Well, that's what makes me curious if it's just going to be more Splatoon DLC, mm-hmm. more Mario Maker updates. I, I hope that they're realizing that some of the games that they've made earlier in the generation, like Mario Kart, really need to get another boost if they're going to uh, keep us going until 2017 for the NX with so far only Paper Mario Color Splash and Project Giant Robot on the horizon. Well... I feel like there's... Wasn't there that uh, rumor that there was going to be an Amiibo-focused game for Nintendo 3DS some, coming sometime this year? Because that's yeah. something and we'll that's... see if they reveal that at E3. But if it's not even going to be playable, I don't know. I mean, this is just all so strange. Yeah. I mean... We, that's stuff later, so... Let's, yeah, let's... let's Yeah. Um, Metroid Prime Federation Force has been delayed to late summer all around the world. It was originally scheduled to come out in May, but it's been moved to August 19th in North America, August 25th in Japan, and September 2nd in Europe. NCL, Nintendo's main branch based in Japan, said it was delayed to adjust the game's balance, but we don't really know anything beyond that. When the fan base for this franchise doesn't want this game to exist, I kind of wonder what the point is in putting more resources toward it to try to make it better. Yeah. Why not just cut your losses and just get it out? I would imagine that they want to take this year's E3 as a chance to sort of reintroduce Federation Force and maybe with any luck show it off alongside a better Metroid project. So I wonder like if they've got a big hype project uh, to announce for the NX that could make Federation Force look more like the supplementary game that it is rather than a substitute game it never even had the hope of being. Uh, and in that case, maybe it could help turn the tides for the attitude around this game. But if E3 is going to focus primarily on Zelda, I don't know. Well, yeah. also, you know, it wasn't that long ago that uh, uh, someone high up in Nintendo essentially said, no, we're not working on Metroid, and if we started now, it would still take us three years to finish it. So even mm-hmm. if they had, you know, the next day started working on a new project outside of Federation Force, I kind of doubt it'd be in a position where they'd be ready to show it off at this year's E3, unfortunately. Well, Sony showed off Final Fantasy VII Remake with just a shot of Cloud's back and, you know, basically, like, animated <laughs> concept art. True. So, But I agree. Nintendo, that's not their style. You know, it's just sort of... Except sometimes with Zelda. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Here's a painting for a game that'll come out in three years. It's It's just sort of, this is the only case that I could see a delay happening for Federation Force, is if they do this, but... 
I don't think they'll actually do that. I have a feeling it's, yeah, it's just... Well, I will say this, though. Based on the footage I've seen, this is a game that could use a little more sprucing up and uh, for sure. it could use to do to be a little more exciting or a little more polished. So from that perspective, sure, it makes sense to delay it, but I just I just don't get why they're spending more time and development resources and all those things on a game that's pretty much just doomed to fail. Yeah. Mitomo has Splatoon-themed clothing and accessories right now. Just recently, anyone who had retweeted Nintendo's announcement of this giveaway should have gotten an inkling boy and an inkling girl wig for their Miis. And from now through May 29th, Mitomo itself will be offering inkling outfits, squid pins, and ink tank accessories through Mitomo Drop, the app's clothing shop, and My Nintendo's rewards program, respectively. So I definitely did not retweet the announcement, but I still got the uh, the Inkling Boy and Girl wigs. So I don't Ooh. know if they're giving them out to everybody or what. I'm, they might yeah, be everyone who has linked their Twitter account. I don't know. Oh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I, I did. I did. I think link my uh, Mitomo up to my Twitter just to get the uh, the my Nintendo points for yep. it. But <laughs> um, so yeah, I've got. I also got it. Um, I'm excited to see more uh, crossover stuff like this because uh, Mitomo really needs a boost. Nintendo gives you enough bonuses for changing your clothes that I would love to have more interesting <laughs> clothes to take me photos with. For sure. For sure. Uh, a lot of the ones they have now are very boring, and sprucing it up with Nintendo IP can be a lot more fun. Yep. Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE is launching in June, and the localization is being done primarily by Atlas under Nintendo supervision. Nintendo said it was a priority to ensure the game feels familiar and appeals to longtime Atlas fans, and added that any content changes are a result of Nintendo's various software requirements across all their different territories. Um, so they really wanted to prioritize making sure that Atlas's fans got an Atlas localization. Uh, to clarify what they mean by Nintendo's various software requirements, I believe the exact quote was something to the effect of the various uh, requirements and regulations in the regions in which Nintendo operates. So it doesn't sound like this is Nintendo forcing things onto Atlas. It sounds more like uh, Nintendo mm. sort of uh, having Atlas sort of submit to the, the standards for the region. Well, if Nintendo's having them submit to standards that they didn't have to submit to before... I don't get the distinction. I think people are under the I think people are under the impression Nintendo's... that this is one of the kinds of things that you would have seen in the Super Nintendo days, where they're censoring religious references and stuff like that. But it doesn't seem like that to me. It seems like it's about uh, achieving certain certain ratings and, and stuff like that. Certain ratings that are different that work differently in America. Yeah, I agree with that. But it's it's still Nintendo doing it. It's not egregious like people are saying, but it's still Nintendo imposing those right they're not regulations from the countries they're operating in or else atlas wouldn't have had to submit to them before. i don't think that that's necessarily i don't think that's necessarily clear but that's right. just me all right yeah yeah um well so we had a short news segment this week we're going to now take it to the fortune street to discuss Nintendo's uh, financial reports from recently, uh, we've got some sales figures, we've got their financial status, some company status changes, so we're just gonna start moving through those. Nintendo's hardware business kept staggering along this year as both Wii U and Nintendo 3DS undersold their expectations for 2015's fiscal year, uh, and that spans from April 1st, 2015 through March 31st, 2016. Nintendo expected to sell 3.4 million Wii U consoles in this time, but fell short by about 140,000 units, and the 3DS took a bigger hit as Nintendo sold about 800,000 units fewer than their expectation of 7.6 million. Uh, their projections are much lower for this fiscal year, which ends March 31st, 2017, as they expect to sell 
5 million systems for 3DS and only 800,000 systems for Wii U. Yeah, I would say anyone holding out hope that Nintendo was going to announce like a, you know, a, a collection of great games to sort of play the Wii U out as NX comes in is going to be disappointed because Wii U has sold, like clockwork, it's sold about 3 million every year. Uh, and now they're expecting it to drop from 3.26 million last year to 800,000 this year. So they're expecting a 75% drop in how many Wii U's they sell. So I don't imagine they're going to be supporting it with very much software that we don't know about yet at this point. Also, I wouldn't hold your breath on them even meeting the 3DS predictions unless uh, Sun and Moon, uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon, somehow do astronomically well. Hey! BBC News reports that Nintendo will stop producing Wii U by March 2018, but with sales expectations so low and a new console less than a year away, it's possible Nintendo will stop production sooner. Nintendo's president, Tatsumi Kimishima, has reiterated once again that NX won't simply replace Wii U and 3DS, uh, according to Takashi Mochizuki of the Wall Street Journal, which may indicate that this year's low expectations for the Wii U are just a slouch, but spoiler alert, it definitely, definitely does not. Uh, <laughs> this is a message, too, that Nintendo has emphasized alongside several devices in the past, so whether or not it will hold true, uh, it's just impossible to tell. Just See, yet. when Nintendo says that line, and they've been repeating it a lot, won't simply replace, I, I don't think they really mean, oh, you know, we're not releasing NX because we're phasing Wii U out. I think they mean NX is going to be super different than Wii U. Please buy NX. I know you hated Wii U, but uh, guys, please, <laughs> please buy NX. Yeah, that, um, was, that was my thought as well. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it could be that. Yeah, it, it's more him saying this is a totally new product rather than him saying, oh, we're still going to support Wii U. Nintendo software sales had a rocky 12 months as well. While Nintendo sold nearly 75 million games between their two platforms, their software revenue did take a hit. Nintendo touted strong sales for Animal Crossing Happy Home Designer and Super Mystery Dungeon, as well as an impressive 1.87 million units sold for Fire Emblem Fates. And they noted that Animal Crossing New Leaf and New Super Mario Bros. 2 both sold over 10 million copies at this point. But Nintendo notes that there were very few titles with the caliber of Super Smash Bros. or a mainline Pokemon game to lead the pack on Nintendo 3DS, so, uh, so software sales were slower. Meanwhile, though, Splatoon and Super Mario Maker helped keep the Wii U afloat with around 4.3 and 3.5 million software sales, respectively. Uh, I think the success of Splatoon and Mario Maker just go to show that install base isn't really everything when it comes to software succeeding. Uh, it really is about the quality of the yeah. software. So props for sure. to them for that. Yay! Uh, Nintendo's first mobile app, Mitomo, was a noteworthy high point of this report, as it has attracted over 10 million unique users. Exactly how many of those accounts are currently active still is unknown, but Nintendo is celebrating the milestone in-game starting on April 29th. That is tomorrow, if you're listening to this podcast the day it comes out. Um, we don't know what that celebration is going to be, but we'll see if it's fun. Uh, 10 million unique users is a good milestone to kind of show us how uh, p interested people are in Nintendo mobile uh, properties, but we won't mm -hmm. really know anything about the health of their mobile business until we see kind of how many users they're retaining, how many users are paying customers, what they're paying, uh, all those different things, and with those things aren't clear yet. Yeah. Nintendo is staying relatively healthy financially as they generated an operating income of nearly $300 million in the last fiscal year, nearly 33% higher than last year's, and they project to have an operating income of $405 million for this fiscal year. Despite the increase in operating income, their net profits sank 61% lower than last year's. This nevertheless marks the second year in a row that they've been profitable after three years of consecutive losses. Nintendo still has over $5 billion saved up and over $9 billion in current assets. Uh, for a more comprehensive look at their decrease in revenue, 
revenues since 2010. You can check out some handy charts over at Gamnesia as well. So, you know, this is pretty much in line with what we expected. They kind of had a mediocre year for games, so their their profits are a little bit down, but they still have just an enormous safety net in terms of their $5 billion bank account. So Nintendo's not going anywhere anytime soon, but they're not making as much money as they'd like to be. I do think the uh, increase in profits that they're projecting for next year are realistic, though, because you are going to have... NX hopefully selling better than Wii U has sold this these last couple of years. Uh, you'll have their mobile stuff. You'll have a new Pokemon game. So uh, I think I think the prospects are pretty good for ne- for this year, despite their uh, lineup feeling very thin. You know. Yeah. Uh, analysts believe that Mitomo has been making Nintendo about two hundred eighty thousand dollars every week, which Kamijima says is not too far from reality. In fact, Nintendo made over fifty-one million dollars only between Mitomo, which has been out for like a month, and Nintendo's efforts to increase to license their IP. Yeah, I got nothing. No comment. Sweet. <laughs> Uh, moving forward, Nintendo has appointed several executive officers, including Reggie Fizume and Satoru Shibata, to focus on Nintendo's operations. This new corporate structure will allow the board of advisors to focus on management, decision-making, and supervisory functions, and Nintendo hopes that that will be a more flexible management structure, specifically indicating that they hope to appropriately and swiftly respond to the rapidly changing business environment. And these changes go into effect on June 29th, 2016. So, what I find most interesting about these uh, shakeups is these uh, supervisory function part. They're actually forming a new committee, uh, committee, <laughs> a new committee for uh, auditing and supervising. And what's happening is four of the members of Nintendo's board of directors are resigning, and four new people are taking their place. And of the four new people that are stepping in, three of them are from outside the company. And and those three that are from outside the company are the ones that are going to be heading up this new audit and supervisory committee. So essentially, Kamishima is going out and getting uh, three sets of fresh eyes that you know are not Nintendo employees and saying, you guys come in and start overseeing things. Let's get more efficient. Let's cut down on waste. Which is hopefully good. Hopefully that doesn't invade in Nintendo's sort of, you know, the magical games as opposed to the corporate mm-hmm. gaming product machine, you know? A lot of games sort of fall victim to that. Right. Um, well, I remember on... Like, Kamishima's first or second day in office, he essentially said, I want the best people possible running this company, whether that means promoting from within or bringing in new people, we're going to do it. And he also, you know, in one of those first days in office, said, I'm not just going to, you know, run this by the numbers. I understand that as a video game company, you can't just be a soulless machine. So hopefully, you know, they're able to balance those things with, with bringing in fresh eyes to sort of show Nintendo, you know, maybe areas where they have blind spots, but at the same time, you know, without forfeiting their identity as a a video game company that really cares about the products they make. Yeah, Yeah, I think for for me, the thing I'm most looking forward to from this move is hopefully it results in a Nintendo where the organizational structure is more designed around incentivizing people producing really great products and not just around people who've been in the company for a long time, Uh, because Mm -hmm. that really can be like the the life or death of a company in, in and in particular, a tech company. So looking forward to that. Uh, and finally, Nintendo is selling their majority ownership of the baseball team, the Seattle Mariners. This part wasn't from the investor meeting. It was announced separately later in the day, but they're still going to keep 10% share in the ownership. I, saw... I always forget that that's a thing. Yeah, well, I mean, they, it's surprising how much of a presence they have in their sort of local area. But I heard that this could mean that they'll bring in $600 million that they weren't going to otherwise. I don't know how accurate that number is, but uh, if so, that would sort of really help Nintendo subsidize a lot of their marketing for this year. Mm-hmm. Well, 
They're losing a lot of free ad space, though. <laughs> I know. Just get the Seattle Mariners, invest in them, get them to the World Series. There you go. <laughs> That's Nintendo's holiday season. A winning strategy. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> uh, okay, so that is all from, you know, the financial side of things. So let's take it to the lightning round. <laughs> And we've now arrived at the beloved lightning round where we bring you little nuggets of information from the past week. If you want to read more about any of these stories or any of the ones we discussed earlier, you can check them out at gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page you'll see all of these links. On Wii U, Star Fox Zero, Star Fox Guard, and Lost Reavers are now available worldwide. Fans in both North America and Europe can now get Mario Party DS on the Virtual Console, while European fans can also get Mario Party 2, and fans in North America can now get Xenoblade Chronicles on the eShop, and better yet, it's only 20 bucks. That's a steal. On 3DS, you can get a demo of Pocket Card Jockey in Europe and North America, and you can check out a new trailer for it now, but unfortunately your time's up to get Jirachi from Mystery Gift in the Pokemon games. Mini Mario and Friends Amiibo Challenge is now available on both systems worldwide, and Mitomo's Splatoon outfits are now available as well. Pokemon Co-Master is now available on iOS devices in Japan, the Yokai Watch anime has premiered in Europe, and on April 21st, Kamishima celebrated his 66th birthday, so happy birthday! Then we've got a bunch of upcoming dates to look out for. April 29th, Yokai Watch launches in Europe, and Mitomo's 10 million user celebration starts. May 1st is the start of Pokemon's Dark Ride distribution, so you can check out our story at Gamnesia.com to see what store you need to head to to pick up a card with your Dark Ride code. May 5th, Pocket Card Jockey launches in Europe and North America, and May 8th is the last day of Mitomo's celebration. Then finally, a rundown of all the smaller things that happened this past week. Team Patrick beat Team Spongebob in the latest Splatfest. I saw a lot of Team Spongebob disconnects, so I'm a little salty about this loss. <laughs> uh, you can unlock the special R-Wings in Star Fox Zero without Amiibo. Trademarks for Sol Galio and Lunalo were registered in Japan, and fans think they're for Pokemon. It's not really clear if they are, but if they are, then that kind of makes me think of, like, two lions as the legendaries, Leo and Nala, mm-hmm. um, which could be cool. An incredibly hard Mario Maker course was beaten after 50,000 tries. Mario Maker is getting a costume of a popular Japanese music group, Baby Metal. Sakurai revealed the final email Satoru Iwata ever sent to him. Bravely Seconds producer would love to continue the series. Monster Hunter Generations has a costume of Amaterasu from Okami for your felines. Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE is getting a special edition bundle with tons of goodies. The Binding of Isaac Afterbirth has been delayed on Wii U. The president of Platinum Games has stepped down and the company is going to reorganize after it. And there are new trailers for Zero Escape, Zero Time Dilemma, and Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE. And there's also 9 minutes of leaked footage from Pokemon Go, which is looking better I gotta say. The Pokemon Center has a new merchandise line called Just My Type. Japan's getting a second wave of ditto-themed Pokemon plushies and keychains, as well as a Pikachu-themed Pokémon tournament controller. Someone recreated Gerudo Valley from Ocarina of Time in Unreal Engine 4. Smashified's latest character portrait is the Masked Man from Mother 3. A fan launched the first episode of his incredible animated Star Fox series. Yeah, that was, like, way funnier than I was expecting. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. it like, not humor-wise, but setting-wise and mm-hmm. the, the tone of the piece, I thought it was really cool. It was, I mean, obviously, the animation is, like, fan quality, but... Uh, but at the same time, it, it kind of reminds me of, like, 70s or 80s cartoons. Really, yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's done really well. 
that guy is going places. <laughs> um, and fans have taken a Kickstarter to fund a documentary about the long and fascinating history behind Earthbound Beginnings before it was finally released in the West last summer. One impressive mod brings Sans from Undertale to Smash Bros. Brawl and Project M, while another one currently in progress brings Goku to the roster of Smash Bros. for Wii U. A handy chart shows Nintendo's profits and losses since the year 2000, and Nintendo patented a U-shaped controller for fitness and gaming in 2014. And for the last 30-odd years, the Spiny's lack of two throws in the original Super Mario Bros. falls straight down, but it turns out that is actually a glitch. That's all we got for the news half today, but stay tuned after the break and we will be back to talk about Star Fox Zero, the NX, Nintendo's E3, Zelda U, and all those other big, big stories from Nintendo's investor meeting. In the meantime, please enjoy this incredible 8-bit remix of Touch Fuzzy Get Dizzy from Yoshi's Island, as always, by the wonderful Bulby. back with more Nintendo Week. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and I'm still joined by Alex Plant. Yo. And Ben LeMoreau. What's going on, everyone? So, we are here after the break. We are going to take it first to the game corner and then to the tea table to discuss some of the things that Nintendo's been up to lately. Especially what you're all waiting for, I'm sure, is our discussion on the NX coming in March 2017, Zelda U being delayed again, uh, all those goodies, or maybe not, we'll see. Uh, but first off, let's take it to the game corner. And here we are with the Game Corner, a segment where we shoot the breeze about games that have just come out, games that we've been playing lately, etc. Uh, I know, Alex, you want to talk about Star Fox Zero. Uh, we are running a tight schedule here, but before you do, real quick, Ben, have you been playing anything interesting this week? Uh, not particularly, honestly. Just no? a little bit okay. of uh, Warcraft 2, still feeling the nostalgia there. All right. Um, I have been playing Splatoon uh, because I went on Team Patrick and I fought all the way to the top. I became a Patrick King. <laughs> I've never been a king before in Splatoon, and it also made me really realize how sad it is that you don't get to keep your Splatfest shirts. But that's about it, so... I guess, Alex, do you want to take it away? Ah, real quick, sorry about that, Alex. Uh, this week, the big obvious game that came out is Star Fox Zero, which finally launched last Friday to very mixed reviews. Uh, ben and I don't have it, so Alex, you can take the reins on this one. Sure. So I got Star Fox Zero at launch. Um, I've played through the main campaign and a couple of the side paths uh, that they added to the game. Um, originally, when I thought about doing the game, game corner, I'd only played through it once, and I honestly had a miserable time with every vehicle that wasn't the Oof. But then I went back and played it again, and I played it with the uh, hold the ZR button to use motion controls option, which pretty much only has the motion controls enabled while you're shooting, and it controlled a lot better. Um, the big problem I had was turning with the, the walker, is kind of clunky when you're trying to uh, do so with motion controls on all the time. Uh, oh, yeah. If you've played Splatoon, the way turning works there is very fluid, if you're familiar with the controls, and the way it works in Star mm -hmm. Fox Zero is nothing like that. So <laughs> I feel like the biggest issue is that the gamepad is a second camera view. You can't... It's... And that's a fundamental game design uh, problem. So, having played Star Fox Zero all the way through, 
I feel like there was basically no reason for that to be a thing, except for for the co-op mode. Just make it the control panel of the R-Wing. I feel like there was no reason why they couldn't have had the reticle on the TV screen just work the way people would need it to, to only play (laughs) with the TV screen. Um, Uh There's, I mean, there's to some extent a benefit in being able to shoot kind of out of the field of view of the camera on the TV, but... Right. Really, the the main benefit is being able to aim anywhere you want while turning any direction that you want, and that's still something you could do even without the cockpit view. So I think ultimately the reason that they still went with that is because in 2014 they you know they were having the idea of Star Fox because they thought they could still save the Wii U and they needed games to show off what made it good. But then, just by the time it ended up actually coming out, it was clear this system is gonna die. And so, uh, they just never put the two and two together and said, well, we need to make Star Fox more like Star Fox. It can't be a tech demo for the Wii U anymore. It needs to be a really good core game. Uh, and so instead they kept the idea. It's going to be a Wii U tech demo and people who wanted a game didn't get it. Yeah. There's, there's some good Star Fox nuggets buried there. Like I really love the first Corneria level. I love the Fortuna level. Uh, the battles with Star Wolf are really fun, but then there's all this other crap mixed in. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really liked the asteroid field level in, uh, Star Fox 64, they made it an escort mission in Star Fox Zero, oh. where you're shooting down asteroids that come toward the Great Fox. So, you know, a lot of disappointment is in this game. And I feel like the, they really wasted the uh, delay that they uh, added to the game because they didn't really make good use of those uh, branching paths that they added. So uh, anyway, that's too bad. there are nuggets of a good game in there, but but buried in all this disappointment. That's too bad. Uh, well, the other thing that I wanted to talk about here is the animated short Nintendo made for Star Fox Zero called Star Fox Zero The Battle Begins. It aired about a week ago, and you can watch it on YouTube now to catch up on the animation itself, and of course all the cool little Easter eggs hidden throughout it. Um, there were a lot of interesting things going on in this animation that I really liked, but the animation itself was still so stiff. It felt like they animated game models and then turned that image into whatever cel-shaded style they've got going on for, you know, this animated short. Um, animation's got to feel natural and fluid, and all the storyboarding and everything in this short was fantastic, but the animation itself just didn't really do it for me, even though the visual style was great. Yeah, you know, I, I really liked the uh, the cel-shaded look in stills, you know, as screenshots, yeah. but seeing it in motion was... A little jarring, I guess. I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but I, not as much as I could have, I think. Right. You know, like you said, it needed to be a lot smoother. Yeah, and, and I think that was the animation rather than the, the aesthetic choice. Yeah. I actually kind of liked the this sort of stuttery animation. It felt like a kind of stop-motion comic book in a way. Uh, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't mean uh, like the frame rate or the whatever you would describe that as. I mean like the act, the way the models actually move, their motion. Oh. Well, I guess that's part of what I'm, I'm, I'm sort of encompassing that with my comment. Okay. Um, but beyond that, I think the thing that I liked the most about this animation was that it really captured that sort of Saturday morning cartoon kind of feel. And yeah. I think that's really, yeah. really appropriate for Star Fox. Yeah, did a good job with that, definitely. Totally. Fantastic. Uh, and very different uh, tonally than the Pikmin shorts as well, which is really, yeah. really cool. I mean, I would love to see them, you know, turn that into a better animation, but into like an actual series and follow that idea somewhere but we'll see uh gonna we're on a tight schedule so let's move forward uh let's go to the tea table here 
here we are with a segment of the show, which we are officially naming the Tea Table. For you long-time listeners, it's the old discussion segment of the show where we share our long-form thoughts on a specific subject, whether it's recent news or something in Nintendo's past, something about their games, whatever it may be. Right now, it is something about news. So, Nintendo NX, that is coming out in March 2017. Kamishima told Nikkei that Nintendo wanted to hold off on releasing it in 2016 to ensure that the system had a strong software lineup when it debuts. Nintendo also confirmed that the next Zelda game will launch for both NX and Wii U, which we've all been expecting, but it has also been delayed once more to March 2017. Uh... Given Kamishima's comments, I think it's safe to assume that Zelda will launch alongside NX. Nintendo's press site also said uh, that it was in March 2017 rather than just 2017. Um, Nintendo UK also stated that the game is being developed in tandem for the two systems, which may suggest that Nintendo initially planned to launch the NX alongside Zelda's previous release window of 2016, then delayed the NX for the aforementioned reasons, and decided to move Zelda back along with it. Uh, none of that's been confirmed, but it seems like that's what happened. You guys agree, or? Uh, yeah, but we can uh, get into that a little more when we're. Uh... Okay, I was inviting people to talk, but I, I guess I can keep going. Oh, because the next stuff is about E three. Do you want me to? I feel that like it's all we'll... related. Okay. So then Nintendo's making this year's E3 all about Zelda in honor of the 30th anniversary of this series, and in fact, the new Zelda game for Wii U is the only game they're planning to have playable at the show floor. Um. Besides Twilight Princess, Hyrule Warriors, they already are both out. Um, Though many fans would expect them to focus on their upcoming console during E3, NX will not make an appearance. Instead, Nintendo plans to reveal the console later this year alongside details on its price, its features, and its games. Uh, We don't know yet whether this will happen during a Nintendo Direct or during a special event like other companies have done in the past, but I'm sure we'll hear more by the end of the year. But otherwise, I mean, Nintendo's lineup for 2016 is pretty thin. We got... 3DS gets Planet Robobot and Federation Force later this year, and then Pokemon Sun and Moon are coming out in the holiday. Uh, But Wii U only has Color Splash, uh, although North America and Europe are still getting Mirage Sessions, Sharp FE in June. Um, And both systems have like a small handful of third-party games, some of which Nintendo's publishing. But uh, if there are any other games to these systems, they have not yet been announced. Uh... Also, Project Giant Robot is still on track to come out for Wii U, uh, but that's TBD. Yeah, I think that's going to be TBD forever. <laughs> yeah. But so that's the sort of... The long and short of it. The brunt of it, yeah. <laughs> um. So I think a lot of people were most shocked by NX being announced for March 2017. Um, mm-hmm. I think for me, it makes sense given that... Uh, Especially given that I kind of predicted what uh, Kamishima later said the reasons were, which is that uh, they wanted the system to have a strong software lineup. And mm-hmm. given that the problems they had with 3DS and the problems they had with Wii U and their sort of stated mission for their next platform to not really have any droughts and all those all those things, um, it's nice to see them mm-hmm. actually taking an action to not release a system that has a weak software lineup, yeah. which... This is probably the first thing we could, that we can really point to and say, yes, this is something they're doing to try to have a stronger lineup. Um, yeah. Because... I, I agree with the decision to delay it for a stronger lineup. Um, I agree with the decision to hold Zelda back. But, man, if this isn't just the most disappointing year Nintendo could pass After everything that sucked about 2015, after everything that had fans so, so down in the dumps... 
then they come out with 2016 and i'm sure it's all gonna end up being for the better but right now i i just just not worth liking nintendo (laughs) i don't know that i'd go that far honestly um and part of the reason why is because i think if i'm going to be buying into another nintendo platform i really do want them to get it right um and Mm -hmm. also if they're going to be launching this big new Zelda game that's a, a reboot for the franchise, I want them to get that right as well. And I want them totally, to totally. have the energy behind the franchise going into its launch that is appropriate, which is why when I look at uh, their E3 plans and the fact that they're sort of holding NX back till presumably after E3, I think, okay, this kind of makes sense. I think a lot of people think, oh, well, why aren't they showing NX at E3? This is the time to kind of get the word out there. But I don't think people really have thought through how packed uh, E3 is already going to be with new hardware. Yep. You have the uh, upcoming rumored hardware refreshes yep. from PlayStation and Xbox. You have a bunch of VR platforms that are going to get big pushes this year. Yep. There is no way NX is going to have the story of E3. No way. Not going to yep. happen. Yep. But what they can do is they can make people really excited for Zelda uh, by celebrating the franchise in pretty much every way they possibly can do this year, which is mm-hmm. uh, celebrate the re-release of this great Twilight Princess game that people loved, and that's one of the best... That Well, that is the best-selling game in the franchise. Uh, Hyrule Warriors, which is going to have a DLC train all throughout the year, and then, of course, the mm-hmm. new Zelda for, for Wii U and NX. Yeah, so I agree with both of you in that I think uh, Nintendo's making the right moves, and that also they're totally screwing over their fan base at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Nintendo is setting everything up perfectly, hopefully, so that, you know, they can have a really strong 2017 and have a really strong start to next generation in general. But it comes at the cost of basically just writing off the rest of 2016. And, you know, especially... And it's only April! Starting with E3. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, starting with E3, where it's, it's just so weird for me to hear a company come out and announce, yeah, biggest gaming event of the year, we're gonna have one playable game. Like that's, it's just so bizarre to hear that. And you know, if you're if you're a new Nintendo owner, if you just recently picked up a 3DS or a Wii U, this is just extremely disheartening to you. But as someone who's already pretty much gotten you know my money's worth out of both consoles, I can I can handle the drought, especially since uh, I got taxes to pay. So frankly, not having (laughs) a bunch of games to buy is kind of a blessing right now. Yeah. (laughs) So overall, you know, a lot of the news kind of just made me shake my head and go, wow, Nintendo. But at the same time, I think I'm going to be pretty happy with the decisions, you know, nine months from now or or whatever, when we're getting close to the launch of NX and I've got some money saved up to, to invest in a platform that will hopefully have a really strong launch. Yeah, I'm with you there, but what I see is I look at this 2016 and, you know, they're setting themselves up for this great launch, like you said, but it doesn't have to come at the cost of fans. It doesn't have to come at the cost of 2016. Look at everything you could do that you're not doing with the virtual console. Mm -hmm. Look at all of the GameCube remasters that you could be making. Look at... And by the virtual console, you can be putting GameCube games on there like you said you would in 2012. Well, um, to be fair, it was some spokesperson for Nintendo of Canada who said that. Fair. Fair. Are but you saying Canada that, doesn't they, count, Alex? They could still do it. They could. Um, yeah. I think, um, I think, though, that if these things that they should be doing are going to have the impact that they need to have and the longevity that they need to have, and the not making people buy stuff all over again in less than a year (laughs) that they need to 
have in place, they need to push all this stuff to NX. And and, and I think also they need to not be putting their personnel on anything but NX if they're going to get all their NX games out on time. And that's what we've been hearing from insiders like uh, Emily Rogers, who said that yeah. they're really trying to have a strong NX launch and that some 3DS uh, and or Wii U titles have been have mm-hmm. been bumped to ensure that. Well, I mean, look at their yeah, lineup but, this I mean, year. I don't... You have Hyrule Warriors Legends, which is developed by Koei. Uh, you mm-hmm. have Pokemon, which is developed by Game Freak. You have Paper Mario yep. Color Splash, which is developed by Intelligent Systems. Like, none of the I games that are coming out this year are developed games. internally. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, but I still think that they need to be doing something to satisfy their fans in the meantime, because you just look at the reaction to this on Twitter, on NeoGAF, on YouTube. No one's happy. Like, there's no one happy anymore. Yeah, that's the thing. Is the, is there is the relaunch in 2017 going to be strong enough to overcome the disappointment of 2016? I think that's going to be pretty crucial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no one's happy. Like, what they, what they need to be doing is making sure that the people who waited out such a bad 2015 because they had hope that Zelda U was going to make 2016 okay are now hearing that 2016 is already going to be nothingness in April? Yeah. No one's going to listen to Please Understand this long. The, well, it's not worth being the, a Nintendo fan in this moment. Because we're the not average anything. person. The, the average person has already person. stopped listening. Well, the uh, let me put it this Nintendo way. The average Nintendo fan, to, I think. Yeah, the average Nintendo fan is not going to. I think being in the position that we're in, I feel like we saw the writing on the wall last year already anyway. And we wanted like, to believe I think a lot that of people because... thought, oh, well, they'll just have a bunch of games... I think a lot of people thought, oh, well, they'll have a bunch of games coming out next year, and they're just not going to show them till next year, because that's what they said, right? Uh, but really, right. it was pretty obvious that they were not showing anything, because they were uh, developing everything for NX, so... Well, but we also all thought that NX wouldn't possibly come out after 2016, which I, I still think that's too long, because this is happening. It would... <laughs> It would be better for people to be pissed off for four months than it would be for them to ruin the image of NX if it launched in November and then had I, no games until June. I agree with that. But what I'm yeah. saying is there are measures that they can take to satisfy their fans in light of these NX problems that they don't seem to be doing at all. And that's what's so terrible about it. Is, I will I will stick to my uh, guns and say I can't think of a single measure that they could take that would not take development resources away from NX and would not basically sabotage everything that they're trying to achieve with NX. They don't even need to be making games to be satisfying fans. They can be doing things like like building their online presence to something that the modern day has. They can well, be having they... like Reggie step out and say, "Hey fans, listen, I know you're upset. I know you want something." to have this year but we just need to put they're not even taking measures that that connect their fans to the company and keep them listening and keeping them drawn in and i think they need to be doing that well they are though they're making they're making these mobile games that will that will first of all appeal to their fans because mm-hmm. i feel like their fans are largely the ones that are hopping on these mobile games and will grab new fans hopefully for nx I don't think their fans trust these mobile games as a replacement for... Like, when Nintendo first announced mobile games, everyone was furious. And these were all the Nintendo fans who said, you know, no, my games need to stay on my consoles. 
and, and I I agree that they need these mobile games so that they can attract the average person again. But I don't think that that people's minds have flipped that quickly to so as to say, oh well, it's okay that we don't have any Wii U or 3DS games in 2016 because at least I have Fire Emblem on my phone. Well. I would say that that's true, but you also had Nintendo fans saying for the longest time that they love Nintendo because Nintendo didn't do exploitative DLC. And yet, here we are, two years later, and while a lot of Nintendo DLC is great... This is is like six months later. Six months later than their DLC? Smash has been out for a while. No, 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 no. That that took two years for the... Right. I don't know. I'm saying. People... It doesn't work this quickly, and people need the reassurance. People need to see a value in I think a lot of the fans that are outspoken about mobile are, one, mostly talk, and two, aren't really that plentiful. (laughs) I agree. I mean, but I, I, I don't think that they can... I think this signals a real dissatisfaction in Nintendo's community, and I, I think that... I don't know. This the my own personal feelings and the reaction I've seen on Twitter and stuff. It it wasn't the point of you know sort of heartbreak and hope for the next year. It wasn't it didn't have that sort of powerful you can do it Nintendo response that there seems to be sort of tinged underneath the the normal fan response and this this time it really was it was a response i think of of just brokenness nintendo's fans just don't seem to have any wherewithal left i think that's a byproduct of we the wii u being so terribly broken that even if they hadn't done this uh nintendo fans would really need a lot to be really pleased going forward uh, this is obviously not the ideal situation. Ideally, you wouldn't want to make your fans wait a year for games. But at the same time, you also wouldn't want your fans to end up with another set of, we'll say, broken promises. Uh, there's one broken promise right now, which is Zelda's delay. Which is why, well, right, but that's why I'm talking about there are measures, like their online presence that they can take that aren't about developing games. It's about giving... It's about updating the company to be more modern and, you know, connect with its fans, talk to them in a way that they need to hear. I think the big problem is, you know, like I said, they're, they're gambling that people are going to be so excited when they see the NX launch in March of next year that they'll forget about the disappointments of this year. But right now, we have no idea what NX is. Right. No one can get excited for NX, mm-hmm. you know, really, to certain extents. You know, people that love rumors can, but no one can really get excited about NX because we don't know what it is yet. So Nintendo is basically telling their friends, or their fans, we're sacrificing 2016 for a great 2017. Also, we're not telling you what's coming in 2017 yet. And that's, right. that's, well, that's hard for fans to swallow right now, but I think Especially after Nintendo the is taking the calculated year. risk that, you know, if they push all these games back to next year, the fans will forgive them when they see the end result. Right, but I think the crucial piece of the formula that they're missing there when they think that is, will there be enough fans at this point that it's worth it? I don't know that, that fans can with, can keep going for the next nine months. I think the answer, the answer to that, I think, is they want NX to reach more people than Wii U ever did in the first place. Right. In which case, losing some Wii U fans means it's a blip on the radar compared to gaining. But you don't the, have like, to lose your 3DS fans. There, there are 
there are 3DS games coming. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like Alex said earlier, Pokemon I Sun guess. and Moon. I think they're counting on that to be enough to keep uh, the 3DS. Yeah, fans we'll see. We'll see how the news cycle can pick up for those. I suppose. Um, but like Federation Force, that doesn't even count. Like you said, that's <laughs> no. doomed to failure. No. There's it's, that doesn't even count. Uh, although I thought the same thing about Triforce Heroes, and I was very wrong. People. Well, so. <laughs> Triforce Heroes. That that game sold more than a million. Same. That's insane. It did not meet the same reaction as Federation Force. That's true. To put it, it should very have, very light. But that's true. <laughs> um, anyway, that's. I don't really have much more to say. Yeah. Yeah, better wraps yeah. it up for my comments. I'm, uh, yeah. Um, oh, one more. Th- the, the one other thing that I think I'll add is I've seen a lot of people say that they're worried about the new Zelda game because of this delay, because there was some comment that oh, Nintendo made no, on Twitter make it better. about it being delayed for the quality of the game. And I think you should ignore that because I think that's bullshit Wah! that Nintendo is spouting out just to justify the fact that they're delaying the Zelda game. They're delaying the mm-hmm. Zelda game because yeah. NX is launching in March 2017. That's the reason. I agree. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we all agreed so much that there wasn't even anything to expand upon. Uh, it's coming Mic drop. late because of NX. That's it. That's the fact. Yep. Um, all right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is the Endo Nintendo Week for today. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. We're really working hard to make the show great for you guys, so those iTunes reviews really mean a lot. And they also help a lot of listeners discover the show. So if you haven't done that, please do. It's greatly appreciated. If you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show, so it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com, C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A, and at Colin McIsaac on Twitter, C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. And Alex, where can they find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Legend of Lex. All right. Well, if you cannot wait for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft, d you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. On our way out, please enjoy an incredible cover of the Star Wolf theme by Family Jewels 7X. Thank you all so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week.
Despite the increase in operating...